This is episode 353 of the AWS podcast, released on January 26, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Leisha here with you. Great to have you back and I'm joined by a very special guest to talk about a new service. I'm joined by Ravi Tulapati, who's a Senior Product Manager here at AWS. G'day Ravi, welcome to the podcast. Hey Simon, I'm well, thanks for having me. Good to have you here. Now we've got something very new to share with our customers that solves, I think, a problem that many people have faced. Uh, this is a service called AWS Data Exchange and let's maybe start with, so what are the problems that AWS Data Exchange is designed to solve? Great question, Simon. So when you think about uh, AWS Data Exchange, there's we, we our focus was to solve problems for two sets of audiences. Let me say that firstly, when it, when you think about analytics and machine learning, um, we can ne- we can never have too much data. But depending on who you are, you're facing um, different sets of challenges. So for example. On uh, the subscriber side uh, for AWS customers, it's very hard to securely find access and analyze relevant data sets. Enterprises, scientific researchers, and academic institutions, they've been using third-party data for decades to conduct research, power applications and analytics, train machine learning models, and make data-driven decisions. Uh, but as these customers subscribe to more third-party data, they often have to wait weeks to, sh- to receive shift physical media manage sensitive credentials for multiple FTP hosts and periodically for updates or code to several separate APIs. These methods, Simon, are inconsistent with the modern architectures customers are developing in the cloud. Uh, and it forces customers to build and maintain automation to ensure that they have the most up-to-date third-party data in the data lakes, applications, analytics, uh, ML models, they're migrating to AWS. On top of this, customers also have to manage uh, separate billing relationships and licensing agreements with every data provider they use. So that's one set of problems. For a different audience, um, the for data providers, uh, they have their own sets of problems. Um, for example, many data providers have a lot of data products, but they find it extremely hard to share them. Um, they, it's not possible for them to teach every possible customer who might be interested in their data uh, without uh, really making large investments in sales and marketing, as well as building technology to store, deliver, build for, and entitle data. And uh, all these barriers, they slow down many of the data providers from creating more data products, just because in order to do that, they, they again have to make significant investments. And if you are uh, if you are organizations wherein you have valuable data, but you, you don't have any experience, then um, these barriers actually slow them down um, or even prevent them from becoming a data provider. So that data never actually makes it to the market. So there's a lot of inefficiencies uh, and in the way in the way the uh, the market operates today. And AWS Data Exchange, our service, is designed to solve these problems for both sets of audiences. Um, we hope to build a bridge between these two groups uh, and unlock the value of data. So, so this is really one of those classic friction problems that we face often in, in organizations in general and IT in particular, where uh, there's a group that wants data but can't get it, or if they can get it, it's hard to get. Then there's this other group that has a whole lot of data, but they don't know how to present it or provide it in a way that's uh, uh, not overburdening over on their own operations. So this is kind of trying to to be that connective tissue between the two groups. Exactly. Yep. And so 
you know, we, we talked about, um, you know, people wanting more data for the analytics they're doing. And, and this is a, there's a big range of categories of data that's out there and, and things that people need. But maybe let's start with the customer side and then we'll move into the provider side. But the sort of the, the, the mm-hmm. end consumer of that data, what are some of the benefits they can get? What are some of the categories of data they get? Like how does this help? Sure. So when you think about customers, um, with this launch with data exchange, they can now subscribe to a diverse selection of third-party data in the cloud. Data products on a service, they cover a wide range of industries, including financial services, healthcare, life sciences, geospatial, consumer, media and entertainment, and more. Um, uh, the, the list of categories is not, uh, uh, is not limited to just those. Um, and these customers can go from easily finding data to analyzing it in, a, in the full portfolio of AWS data lake and analytics services. Um, once customers subscribe to a data product, they can quickly export the data from AWS Data Exchange to Amazon S3 and immediately analyze, start analyzing it with services such as Amazon Athena and Amazon Redshift or build machine learning models with Amazon SageMaker um, or transform and process data with Amazon EMR and AWS Glue or even build a data lake with AWS Lake Formation. On top of these benefits, um, Simon, when providers publish new data, subscribers receive a CloudWatch event, allowing them to automatically consume data as it's published. So what this allows subscribers to do is that they can actually automatically stay up to date with the latest data published by the provider without having to manage any physical media, FTP credentials, or legacy technology. On top of this, customers can also ask their data providers to deliver their existing subscriptions to them using AWS Data Exchange and at no cost. This enables customers to use AWS Data Exchange to consume all their third-party data in AWS Cloud using a single API. So this really makes it very easy for them to not just find the the data sets, but to to subscribe to them, whether it's a paid or non-paid subscription, which is a whole other challenge a lot of people face. And we get, we'll dive into some of that, but also the refreshing of the data. So you're sort of not waiting to find out when the new data set's coming or you're mm-hmm. getting like an email to tell there's a new data set. You can actually automate it because, of course, if we can bring things in using a CloudWatch event, most of the people listening to the podcast know that once something hits a CloudWatch event, all kinds of magic can happen uh, automatically so you can keep your data sets completely up to date exactly. and refreshed. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Our goal was to make automation easier and with data exchange, right from finding data all the way to consuming it, um, you can automate it end-to-end. And because the data lives on S3, that's kind of the sort of universal place that we can reach into using all the different tooling we want to get that data out. So customers aren't limited of how they use the data once they get it um, because it's in the, the sort of a, a defined format in S3, uh, available to them, and away they go. Exactly. We realize, you know, S3 is the data lake that AWS customers uh, and many other customers are building that day, um, bringing the data into AWS and building a whole bunch of applications on top of. So S3 is very central to our design. AWS Data Exchange was built on top of S3 um, and we it makes it extremely easy because once you port the data over to S3, like you said, uh, the possibilities uh, unlock and you can, do, you can do a whole world of automation that would otherwise not have been possible if you were consuming the data in an on-premises environment because you now have to upload the data to the cloud. You first have to move to S3 and then um, all of that inefficient route is now, uh, you don't, you no longer have to traverse because the data is already mm-hmm. in the AWS. So even just that sort of data engineering process of physically moving data from one location to another, obviously if you're using a, a data provider that's already storing the data on S3, it's just making a duplicate into your S3 bucket and away you go. So it's, it's much quicker than 
pretty much any, any other way yep. you're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And so let's, we talked about the sort of the consumer side. What about the data provider side? What, how does it work for them? And why does it make sense for them to use this? Um, sure. So when you think about data providers, um, with data exchange, we actually make it easy to securely package license and deliver data products. And that uh, we, we may make it easy to do that um, to millions of AWS customers worldwide. So with this new delivery channel, established data providers can quickly reach much larger audiences for their data while also lowering the distribution costs. Um, and if you think about some of the other organizations who probably don't have experience as a data provider, yet have interesting data from their core business operations, um, so those companies too can easily distribute and monetize the data without investing in any of the technology and processes typically required to do so. And AWS Data Exchange allows these companies um, to operate their data business by giving them daily, weekly, and monthly reports, detailing subscription activity, um, handles all associated billing, payments, collection, uh, and secure delivery of data to subscribers. So if you put yourself in the shoes of a data provider, all you have to do is think about producing quality data sets that your consumers would be interested in. And you don't have to do any of the undifferentiated heavy lifting of, of building that infrastructure. Um, all of those pain points go away. And, and whilst obviously for many providers, they want to sell their data, there are also providers that want to offer it for free. So providers can also offer their data for free on the AWS Data Exchange, can't they? Uh, for sure, yes. The products are not limited to paid. In fact, um, if you look at the, the data exchange catalog, we have north of 400 odd uh, free products today, even as we launch the service. So we expect to have a significant number of data sets that are free, um, as well as paid ones, based on you know uh, what data providers are uploading to the service and what customers are interested in consuming. And so, if I'm a data provider, I want to become a data provider. How do I how do I go about it? What's the process? Right. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because the qualification process is surprisingly easy. So data exchange gives, gives providers uh, a step-by-step -step registration wizards um, that help you create a profile page, complete registration uh, in just a matter of minutes. Um, and once you complete your registration, we will contact, our team will contact the company uh, to figure to for further qualifying them as a data provider. Um, and once uh, companies uh, finish the qualification process, uh, those qualified data providers would then be able to list products uh, in the AWS Data Exchange catalog. Um, and uh, you know, when I said it's easy to get qualified as a data provider, I can, I can tell you it's also extremely easy to list products once you've qualified as a data provider. All it takes is just a few clicks or API calls to upload and package your data residing um, in, in your Amazon S3 buckets or on-premises environments. Now, we again have step-by-step -step wizards to specify product information and publish data sets. Um, and like we alluded to earlier, as free or paid products. Um, and you can do that with one to six, 36 month subscription durations. And when, when providers create these products, they also have the option to use AWS provided standard uh, agreement templates or create their own custom agreements. There's a lot of flexibility for providers in terms of how they can package the products. As an example, uh, if you want to give specific uh, custom negotiated prices or terms to individual AWS customers, providers can do that using what we call private offers. That's a feature. 
And another feature that I'd like to highlight, Simon, is um, subscription verification, where providers could actually choose to approve each subscription, uh, allowing them to review intended use cases or manage their compliance needs. So it's not just a, a by default, they can choose to put a, an approval process in place. They can have the, the contracts they want. Uh, they can really um, make make the choices that I guess most providers would want to be able to make, but without having to do it in a completely bespoke way every time. Yes. It's a very standard uh, product creation process. Um, like I said, you know, we have wizards and it's just a few clicks, but the, uh, but, but the benefits for providers is if you don't have any experience, so take, put your shit. If you put yourself in the shoes of a large data provider, they typically have processes and legal teams where they would have come up with um, negotiated agreements that they'd like to list and so on and so forth. But if you are uh, somebody who's not in that business, you probably don't have the experience to come up with a standard, to come up with a template. That in of itself could take um, days, if not months. Um, so all of that pain goes away because AWS gives you a standard template. And if you're not in that business, you can use the template. But if you're already in the business and you have sophisticated templates that you'd want to stick to, you can use those templates. And you have the flexibility to create products as you wish. So if you want to create um, you know, multiple offer terms, you can do that. You can specify a 12-month offer or a 24-month offer. And when customers come view at the product detail page, they can choose the option that suits them. Um, and that's a subscription that they would be subscribing to. Now, we realize that um, in a B2B space, most transactions would probably happen over custom negotiated terms. Um, so we ship this feature called private offers. And what that allows providers to do is they can issue uh, an offer for a specific set of AWS customers at bespoke prices or bespoke terms of usage. Um, so providers have these flexibilities. And who are some of the providers you've, you've already onboarded? I mean, I think the, the launch was was pretty high. I think I, I can see there's like over 1,400 products and 85 data providers. So it's, this is not sort of one or two two groups. We've, you've got a, a decent um, a decent starting point uh, for people to pull out of. So what, what have we got there? Yes. Um, if you look at um, the the product catalog that AWS Data Exchange has, has um, we, like you said, we have north of 1,400 products today and well over 85 qualified data providers who are participating in the service. And, and some of the qualified data providers include category leading brands, such as Reuters. Uh, for those of you who don't who are not familiar with, they curate over 2.2 million unique new stories per year in multiple languages. Or Change Healthcare, um, who processes and anonymizes more than 14 billion healthcare transactions and 1 trillion in claims annually. Or Dun & Bradstreet, who maintains a database of more than 330 million global business records. Um, in the location space, we have Foursquare, whose location data is derived from 220 million unique consumers and includes more than 60 million global commercial venues. These are just some of the examples of qualified data providers. Uh, the list of, the list of um, uh, category leading brands or even up and coming names is quite, um, is quite long. And we, uh, we expect uh, or we hope to see many more providers uh, participating in our service um, um, in times to come. And let's talk briefly about pricing. Obviously, the, the subscription fee for the data set itself is set by the provider. So you sort of uh, either pay or agree to to what you're going to pay that particular provider. And then there's uh, a storage fee, which is just for the data that you're storing. 
um, as a sort of flat byte hours fee, which is very familiar in the S3 world. So, for example, in the, in the Sydney region, uh, you're paying uh, 2.5 cents a gig a month uh, for that data set. So it's a pretty simplified model in terms of knowing what you're paying to get the data you need. Yes. Um, so the so let's break down in terms of fees because we have two sets of personas or users who are using AWS Data Exchange. Let's talk about both of them. Mm. So firstly, in terms of subscribers, um, the, the cost of the subscriber is pretty transparent. Uh, it's just like how you'd go buy products on Amazon.com. You look at a price and that's the price that you pay. Um, it's exactly the same model. You'll see a price uh, with the product detail page and uh, that's the price that the provider has listed the product for. Um, that's the price that the subscriber would agree to um, along with any applicable taxes as part of the transaction. Um, so so, so th th that's, so in terms of subscribers, that's the only set of fees uh, that the subscribers have to have to account for. Of course, once they access the data and they move the data to their own private S3 buckets, uh, the applicable S3 costs in terms of either transfer costs, uh, that would apply. But in terms of AWS data exchange, the only fees that the subscribers have to worry about is, is, the, is the cost of the product that they're subscribing to. Um, so, so that's the subscriber side. On the data provider side, um, there's uh, the the we, AWS Data Exchange uh, charges storage fees, like you said, uh, and the rates uh, and 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 the rates um, are, very, are very similar, if not the same, as that of Amazon S3. Um, and the reason and one of the main motivations as to why we are even charging uh, data for storage is to ensure that it gives providers an incentive to list products that are of high quality um, and they have an incentive to think about uh, which ones are, which products are ones that, that, that uh, customers would be interested in. Um, so for providers, their storage fees and on top of the storage fees um, for providers, uh, data exchange also charges tier fulfillment fees. Uh, all of these details, um, uh, you know, they're well documented in the, in the pricing page of the AWS data exchange website. And I'd highly recommend for anybody who's interested in becoming a data provider uh, to go uh, view view the pricing page. Uh, there's one important thing that I'd like to note there, Simon. Mm. So if you're a provider, um, the, the tiered fulfillment fees only come into play when somebody actually buys a product, right? So there's no inherent cost for you to list the product or create a data product outside of the storage fees and and if you just look at the storage fees themselves, uh, you know, uh, for the for for the price in terms of, I think we did we did a calculation um, that if you were to list, um, um, uh, you know, hundreds of terabytes of data, you're still looking at costs in terms of hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. And also, I think it's worth pointing out that this is uh, the, the catalog is global, but the the deployment of the data is regional, which which ties into you know our concept of putting data in the region you want to operate in. So this is this service is available in multiple regions, isn't it? Yes. Um, so as of today, uh, AWS Data Exchange is available in eleven uh, AWS commercial uh, AWS regions. Um, I believe we we have about four regions in the Americas. Um, Four in Asia Pacific and three in EMEA, um, and as you can imagine, Simon, you know uh, we do have plans to expand into other commercial regions um, uh, in in times to come. 
Um, and uh, what you noted is an interesting distinction, yes. Uh, our product catalog is global. Um, and the products on AWS Data Exchange, uh, customers can view them um, regardless of where they reside in, uh, as they're listed in AWS Marketplace. So if you can go to the AWS Marketplace website and you have an internet connection, you'd be able to view those products. Um, so, so the catalog is global. Um, and when you look at the product detail page, we'd actually show you where the data set is located in. And the choice of the data set and the region depends on um, uh, the decision that the data provider makes. So if the provider uploads a data set, um, they, can, um, they have the choice to upload, let's say one data set for, uh, as an example, if you were to take US census data, it might make sense to host that data in one of the US regions um, and, uh, and the EMEA census data to host it in a region in EMEA um, and the APAC one in APAC. So you could imagine three data sets, all in three different regions, um, summarized as one product um, in a global catalog. Um, and of course, uh, once you buy subscription to the product, in order to be able to access the data, uh, just like any service, you can do cross-region calls. So even if you were a customer in France um, and you want to access a data set um, in US East One, You'd be able to do that, uh, and you just you you'd you'd incur um, cross-region transfer costs. Data providers on their side, they have the option to upload the same data set in multiple regions. So we give the flexibility to our customers, um, and and it's up to them um, to structure the products like they want um, in order to meet their own customer needs. And so, how does someone get started if I want to um, to start using some of the the data in this in these catalogs? What do I do? Great question. So first, if you if you're interested in um, browsing uh, our catalog, um, you can just go. You can do that by going to the AWS Marketplace website and uh, filtering by the data products category. Uh, the same product catalog is also visible in the AWS Data Exchange console. Um, uh, there is no difference between the two. Uh, one is an unauthenticated user experience. The other one is for authenticated users. So if you are a regular AWS customer, you're you're uh, you're already used to the AWS console. You can view the products even there. Um, so so that's a subscriber piece. Um, and for providers, if you're interested in becoming a qualified data provider, uh, we have, like I mentioned earlier, we have step-by-step visits that guide you through all of the process, all of which is documented very well uh, in the AWS Data Exchange uh, website homepage. So I'd actually suggest that you go uh, visit the AWS Data Exchange website which summarizes all of this experience. And it also brings uh, brings to front many other features uh, that you know uh, we were not able to cover in this particular session, but um, they're all listed in the website, uh, which which I hope piques our customers' interest. Very, very good idea and very good uh, chance for people to see what, what's out there and uh, test some data sets that they may not have realized they could get access to. Ravi, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and telling us about this new service. Thanks, Simon. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is a place to do that. And until next time, keep on building.